Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. It all started here last year. He called it. Jalen Hurts, one for one since that NBC Sports. The pressure's on now. Now you got to go two for two. Who really is? Jalen Hurts made me look good, but my wider die this year is Amon Ross St. Brown, who's an elite wide receiver in fantasy. Just no one thinks about him. I got a trivia question for you, Chris. Since week 13 of 2021, Amon Ross breakout week, here's the entire list of player wide receivers with more receptions than the Sun God. Right. Justin Jefferson, that's the list. I have Amon Ra uh, St. Brown is a top 10 overall player, first round pick. Amon Ra St. Brown is my fantasy football ride or die for 2023. Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry, served by Applebee's. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Happy Hour. I'm Connor Rogers alongside Jay Croucher and Matthew Berry. He might never come home from Canton, Ohio out there after the big ride or die reveal. Barry, how, how does it feel the next day when you wake up? There's no buyer's remorse, I hope, right? Amon Ross St. Brown, your 2023 ride or die for the fantasy season. No, I honestly, I feel better about it because just talking to a bunch of people who absolutely love the pick, who agree, talking to people, I've talked to people around the NFL who just tell me what a great kid Amon Ross St. Brown is. We know about the production on the field, but everything I hear about him just as a person, as a player, as a professional, really exciting. Look, the fact is, is around the ride or die, it's not about, hey, this is some obscure guy that I think is going to launch himself. I mean, listen, Everyone knew who Jalen Hurts was last year. It is about me planting a flag saying, this is the guy I believe in the most this year. This is the guy that I'm going to draft higher than consensus, that I'm going to try to get on every single team that I draft this year. This is my guy that I think takes the next step. But it's obviously a known quantity as we think about, like, I, I think, uh, Connor, your suggestion was Bijan Robinson. Jay, your suggestion was Justin Herbert. Both great suggestions. Both were on the list. But ultimately for me, I went with Amon Ra St. Brown. You heard me talking with Chris Sims there uh, in terms of the fact that since week 13 of 2021, he's second in the NFL in receptions among wide receivers. Only Jefferson has more. In terms of total fantasy points, only Jefferson and Devontae Adams have more. Think about that. Since week 13 of 2021, as we sit here in the preseason of 2023, only Adams and Jefferson have more fantasy points. Amon Ross St. Brown is the third best wide receiver in fantasy, better than Tyreek Hill, better than Stephon Diggs, and no one talks about him as a top three guy. I have him at wide receiver six. I'm at 10 overall. And again, I am higher than consensus. So I just think people don't appreciate how good this guy has been. And what we didn't see in the clip there is what I will tell you is among other things, obviously massive targets available. No TJ Hawkinson, Jamison Williams suspended for six games. Yes, Jameer Gibbs will be involved in the passing game. Yes, they signed Marvin Jones to return to the Lions, but come on, this passing offense will go through the sun God. 
and look at the schedule for the Lions coming up. Over the second half of the year, seven of the final eight games that the Lions play are either in domes or they have one game at Dallas, which is a retractable stadium. It's December 30th. They're probably going to close the roof. So in essence, seven of their final eight games are in domes, and we know how well Jared Goff plays in domes. Like, he's a ridiculously good quarterback in a dome. I think Amon Ross St. Brown is going to have a monster, monster year. He is my fantasy ride or die. Yeah, Matthew, I thought you were actually going to go equanimous St. Brown, but it's good you pivoted last moment to uh, the Shorer St. Yeah. Brown. Uh, I was going to go full heel and wear a, uh, a Legereus Sneed jersey who's going to be shadowing uh, Amon Ra in week one, but uh, we didn't have one. It didn't and ship the, in time. Yeah, and the, the Willie Sneed jersey is missing as well. Uh, I really like the point about the schedule. I think it's the nine of their last ten games are basically going to be uh, in stadiums that have a retractable roof or are a dome. Outside, and the one other game is uh, at Chicago, who have got one of the worst secondaries in the league anyway. So I think that's a, it's a really good play. Uh, not a super obvious one either. Uh, so I think you've hit the sweet spot there. And I mean, the stuff with Jared Goff outside in cold weather, that's a real thing. Like his splits between playing indoors and outdoors uh, are significant. And so just being able to write that off the second half of the season and just avoid uh, the cold uh, at all, uh, I think is huge. So yeah, Amon Ra should have a massive season. And I think an underlying factor of it all is a couple of teams wanted to hire away their offensive coordinator, the young Ben Johnson this offseason. They have continuity with one of the more underrated, brighter offensive minds in the league. So you have the number one wide receiver where the target share is very highlighted as massive, good play calling, favorable schedule that aids the quarterback as well. And outside of Jameer Gibbs, there's not really a lot of guys that come into that offense where you worry so much about the usage of them too. Yep, absolutely. And just rock solid offensive line. You know, Jared Goff is not someone you feel great about taking you to a Super Bowl, but you feel great about him putting up fantasy points in the regular season for you. Uh, he was a revelation last year, uh, a revelation in terms of competence achieved. Uh, so I think that, yeah, a lot of stuff is lining up for Amon Ra uh, to have a great season. Barry, who gave him the biggest run? And who, was there, yeah, who was that one guy that maybe it came down to the wire or the day of, you're like, man, this is a good runner up, but I have to go with Amon Ra. Well, listen, Amon Ra was always sort of the clubhouse leader, if you will. I did seriously consider Justin Herbert. Uh, Jay, I think you make a great point. And I think, look, if you read my 100 Facts column, which is up now on NBCSports.com, RotoWorld.com, it's 100% free. Uh, it's been updated since it was in the magazine as well. You sort of get a sense of who I like and who I don't, right? Because that, that column is kind of a semi-cleverly disguised sleepers and bust column. I kind of tried to – the point of that column is for me to use facts – cherry-picked stats, which I, I fully admit in the open, I fully admit that they're cherry-picked stats, and I use them to try to lead you to a certain conclusion. And I, you can sort of tell, like, I'm in on Justin Herbert this year. I'm in on Lamar Jackson this year, who was on the list. Uh, Anthony Richardson, who I believe Denny Carter su uh, suggested, he was on the list. So there were a couple of quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence was on the list at one point. So those quarterbacks were on the list. Um, among wide receivers, uh, I thought about uh, both Amon Ra and Chris Olave. He was on the list. And uh, among running backs, I did consider Bijan. I was worried he's just a little bit too obvious uh, for me, Connor, because just everyone's um, so excited about Bijan. But I agree, he's just going to have an absolute beast of a year. Uh, Jameer Gibbs was on the list as well among running backs. So, um, you know, listen, a lot of consideration, a uh, lot of consideration went into it. And I did like, uh, who was it? Was it, uh, was it Kyle Dvorak who suggested Isaiah Pacheco or was it Roto-Pat? Roto -Pat. Oh, no, Kyle suggested Tony Pollard. Kyle suggested Tony Pollard. Tutters. Both of guys, Pollard and, uh, and Pacheco were also on the, uh, the initial list. 
Yeah, I will say as well, the sneaky element to this, you can get a lot of content out of the Sun God. Uh, I would say that uh, if the Sun God's wide receiver one after week five, uh, then Matthew Barry is very short odds to be dressed like a solar deity, uh, something wearing the kind of, you know, the hat and everything. So, yeah, there's a lot of good angles to this one. So we did yeah. have a... I don't, know if it's ahead, I don't know if it's necessarily me, but, but Connor, there's a very good chance that Connor <laughs> will have to dress as the Sun sure. God. Sure, that's great. Yes. I mean, I rarely say no to doing anything to Connor on the show. drive the show forward. And since Listen, I will be here every show the, this yeah. week, uh, this year... Yeah, yeah, sure. You're the Why new not? guy. Yeah. You're the new guy. You uh, have to dress in the goofy outfits. Bronze That's the rule. With some Egyptian solo god stuff. Oh, great. okay. Yeah. yeah, sure. And then I can take all the credit, too. That's why I'm doing it. So we did have a game last night here, guys. The Hall of Fame game. Yeah. Obviously, Barry, you were out there. We saw you on the sideline before the game. Uh, obviously, a lot of inactives in this game for both the Jets and Browns of the regulars. But Zach Wilson did start for the Jets. Three of five, 65 yards. Really the one big bomb. Not much going on besides that. It's been a big-time struggle for Zach Wilson to start his career throughout the two seasons, uh, his first two seasons. Now Aaron Rodgers' backup, Jay, which takes him out of the spotlight. Maybe not a fantasy-relevant player this year, but in terms of Hall of Fame game storylines, this was about as big as it gets. Yeah, and it wasn't a great start taking the sack uh, on that third down on the first drive, but beautiful deep ball, which showed, I think, the potential of why he went number two in the Story draft. Story of Zach Wilson, but, all yeah. in five, five dropbacks. Yeah, I mean... All the stuff that was swirling around Zach at the end of last season, just the stuff that you would hear was just not great in terms of where he was at and just the sense that like, he was just broken as a quarterback. There was just nothing there. I mean, Connor, you're as close to the Jets as anyone. Have you heard that you know, just he's in a better spot now? Yeah, I think just being out of the spotlight, the relationship with Aaron Rodgers is real. And you saw them laughing on the sideline. Zach Wilson actually, Rodgers had a headset on last night. He apparently called the deep shot play, which is goes to show you the serious nature of the Hall of Fame game. Uh, so I think mentally he's in a much better place. Now it's, he had five dropbacks, right? It's hard, and it's the Hall of Fame game. It's hard to have a huge takeaway. We knew he had arm talent, great throw. We knew Zach Wilson can do that. Now it's building that up and the Jets need to figure out when the time comes that Aaron Rodgers walks away, do they still have their starter behind him or are they going to have to look somewhere else? So the babyest of baby steps, but still little growth from Zach Wilson this summer. I think if I was calling uh, offensive plays for the Hall of Fame game, I'd just also call the 57-yard yeah. bomb. The bomb yeah. every time. Yeah, yeah exactly. In the mold so of NFL call from Aaron. Yeah. yeah, Barry, I mean, you were out there. What, what was the feel and, and what did you think of Zach Wilson starring in the Hall of Fame game? We obviously joked around a lot last year when Josh Jacobs was in this game. It's usually a game that you get scared when you see young players with huge expectations that haven't necessarily lived up to it playing in this game. But for Zach Wilson being Aaron Rodgers' backup, it was pretty obvious why. We talked about this in the offseason. You know, I mean, listen, I have Zach Wilson on, on, my, on the dynasty team that I care the most about. So I, I, I am rooting for Zach Wilson. And I think we talked about this, that we thought that the best case scenario to sort of salvage Zach Wilson's career especially if he was staying in New York, was for the Jets to sign Aaron Rodgers, somebody that Zach Wilson has been very public about his admiration for, that Rodgers was his favorite quarterback growing up. And, and so coming in there, taking the spotlight off Zach Wilson, to your point, yes, he was broken. Like it just, the New York media just, you know, listen, and Zach didn't help himself in a few spots as well. But the fact of the matter is, is taking the pressure off of him, having the entire spotlight on, on Rodgers and having Rodgers as sort of a mentor who clearly seems to be embracing that role with Zach Wilson, I think is huge for this long-term development. And let's be clear, guys. There's a lot of skilled players that are going to be on fantasy rosters on the Jets, starting with Garrett Wilson. Lazard will be a you know wide receiver four. Obviously, Brees Hall. We'll see if Dalvin Cook ends up signing there. So the fact that there is a competent backup to 40-year-old Aaron Rodgers 
is not insignificant this year. Obviously, we hope number eight plays every game that he wants to play. But the fact is, is that there's a non-zero chance that we see Zach Wilson in significant action this year. And so uh, there is a chance that he's fantasy relevant or certainly at least to the, the players on fantasy rosters. So, yes, it is the babiest of baby steps, but it's a positive step. And all we've seen over the last year is nothing but negative steps for Zach Wilson. So him to come out on a national stage, hit the bomb look good, look positive against, listen, yes, the Browns were sitting a lot of people too, but make no mistake, Kevin Stefanski plays to win games. You know what I mean? Like Jay, I think we talked about this off air, but listen, Browns plus two and a half like that. That was uh that, you know, I said that internally to the, to the guys at football night in America. I just said, Stefanski plays to win guys um, in the preseason. Browns plus two and a half, and obviously that cashed. So um, uh, I thought it was uh, a really good sign to the extent there is one from Zach Wilson. Yeah, Kevin Stefanski handing Robert Sala his first ever preseason loss. So uh, the big thrilling upset over on the Browns side of things. They had a couple of backup quarterbacks play. Former Vikings third rounder Kellen Mond got the start. But guys, to me, the story was who came in after him, Dorian Thompson Robinson. Uh, a lot of people in the draft community thought he could be a bit of a steal as a day three pick in this draft. The Browns take him in the fifth round. Skill set, ideal backup for Deshaun Watson because of his mobility and his ability to play outside of the pocket. 8 of 11, 82 yards and a touchdown. When you look at DTR last night, Jay, this is someone to me that I've only done two rookie drafts this year for Dynasty, but I got him for free in one of them because you look at Deshaun Watson's history with injuries, you look at DTR's skill set, a five-year starter at UCLA, highly productive under Chip Kelly all of those years, and yes, it's the Hall of Fame game, yes, it's the second half, but you could see a, a bit of an electric side to DTR's game. Yeah, and definitely a hugely friendly fantasy skill set, obviously, that 100%. he has six carries for 36 yards, uh, looked explosive. I think, yeah, he was the story last night uh, outside of that Zach Wilson bomb. Uh, and look, I mean, we all expect that Deshaun Watson is going to bounce back somewhat. Uh, and I think Deshaun Watson is clearly going to be the guy this year. They're very invested in him being the guy. But Deshaun Watson was horrific last season. He was terrible. He was close to the worst quarterback in the league. Like, he was Zach Wilson-esque when he was out there. So it's no guarantee that Watson is going to be back to the guy who was, I think, a top-five quarterback at the end of his time in Houston. So... Look, I think there are a lot of things on the cards for the Cleveland in the next couple of years. Uh, and yeah, if DTR, if he does see any time for whatever reason, more likely because of an injury to Deshaun, uh, then yeah, he's got a hugely fantasy-friendly game. Barry, any thoughts on DTR as maybe this long stash play in Dynasty because of that mobility? They like him a lot. I was actually talking to a, a team source prior to the game who just who was telling me, yeah, he's like, yeah, he was all excited. He's like, yeah, DTR is playing the entire second half. Like, we're excited about him. Uh, so there's no question. There's a lot of enthusiasm in the building for DTR. I will say, Jay, that there is zero chance. There's literally a zero chance that Deshaun Watson does not play if he's healthy. It does not matter how good or bad he is. They're paying him a quarter of a billion dollars. He will play as long as he is healthy to play. They do have a couple other guys there. So they have Kellen Mond, uh, who we've talked about. I've always had a, a soft spot for Kellen Mond, former Texas A&M guy. Like, I watch a lot of Texas A&M games, obviously, having grown up in College Station. Kellen Mond was a baller when he played in College Station. So uh, I've always liked him, and I know Stefanski likes him as well. Of course, Mond originally drafted by the Vikings. I'll also say this, um, and Stefanski likes Mond, although they weren't there in Minnesota at the same time, I don't believe. I will say this, though. Um, they also have Josh Dobbs there. Always kind of like Josh Dobbs. Remember, Josh Dobbs started a, a game with playoff implications last year for Tennessee. So there's a lot of sort of uncertainty behind Deshaun Watson as to who the backup is, whether it's Mond, whether it's Josh Dobbs, whether it's DTR. But I will say that 
internally in the building. They're very excited about the potential of DTR. And even though it was the second half and against, you know, kind of a vanilla defense and third stringers, he did nothing to dissuade that enthusiasm last night. I don't mind him as a flyer in Dynasty, not at all. Yeah, it's an interesting one with Deshaun where if he was as bad as he was last year, like exactly how long is the leash? Obviously, he's going to play all of this season no matter what and probably plays all of next season no matter what. But like how bad would he have to be for the contract all of a sudden to, uh, you know, create some uncertainty at the position? But yeah, he's, he's clearly the guy um, for the long term. On the skill player side of things, we saw a lot of Izzy Abanacanda, the fifth-round rookie uh, on the Jets that was drafted out of Pitt. Monster year for Pitt last year, 4-3 speed. On paper, guys, nine carries, 27 yards, and the touchdown, you kind of shrug. But the touchdown run showed the outside speed as the Dalvin Cook saga you know, carries on and on. And we don't know if those, those sides will find middle ground, the Jets wanting to sign him, if Cook really wants to be a Dolphin or if he wants to be a Jet. Uh, where his health status is and everything beyond that. Abana Kanda, Jay, gets a case to showcase himself in the preseason because here's the thing. Michael Carter and Bam Knight, yeah, they didn't suit up, but Abana Kanda in one play showed something that neither of those guys have, and that is outside speed, which is a big part of Nathaniel Hackett's running game. Yeah, it feels like Bam Knight is kind of the forgotten guy because he came in and he was pretty good, and then I think yep. he was dealing with some injuries. We rode the bandwagon for yeah, a couple weeks bandwagon. on the show. Yeah, there was animations and everything yes. about the bandwagon, uh, and then I think he got hurt a little bit towards the end yep. of the season. He wasn't quite the same, but I would think that he should have the inside track to be Brees Hall's backup. I know maybe Carter's a bit more established, but do you think that it's viable that Izzy could displace, you know, at least Carter? It feels like one of those 2024 things where Izzy's on the roster as the third or fourth guy. I think this team will carry four running backs, by the way. Um, but the more he could do in the preseason, and look at them last year, right? You lose Brees. Carter was ineffective and is always banged up. And then it came down to a UDFA Bam Knight that, what, 2% of the fantasy world had heard of. So yeah. it goes to show you how quickly your name can be called as a running back. This guy was a fifth-round pick. He has a ton of talent. He's a 20-year-old rookie. So we could sit here and go, man, there's probably not a lot of opportunity for him out of the gate, but it's funny how things can quickly change in maybe the month of November or December. Yep, definitely. Yeah, just a, just a name to keep on, on your radar as we see what happens with Dalvin Cook and the Jets. All right. So uh, one, uh, many oddities actually out of the Hall of Fame game. First, we had the light situation where it looked like the game might not go on. The lights were out. But then a even more strange one after the game, this is from Pro Football Talk, the showers wouldn't go on for both the Browns and the Jets. There are rumors going around right now that after he announces ride or die, Matthew Berry used up all of the hot water. <laughs> he went immediately, he shed the suit, immediately uh, used all of the hot water in the stadium, and the Jets and Browns had to fly home without hot showers. Can you confirm this, Matthew Berry? I can neither confirm nor deny. Okay, fair enough. All yeah. right. I'm going to take no comment. I'm just going to say no. I'm just going to say no comment. Yeah. Um, it's a weird one, man, because like I feel like every year there's. Last year we had a long rain delay as well. Didn't they have to cancel the game like five or six years ago? Like because the field wasn't unplayable. It's just. It's such a. It's a weird one in Canton, right? I, the funny thing to me is, the, like, Cleveland is not far from Canton, where <laughs> this game does not have to be played there. Everybody could kind of get on a bus or a shuttle, but I guess people like tradition, Jay. Yeah, well, there's two things. There were two rumors floating around last night. One, I can confirm that Matthew Barry uh, used up all the hot water. He's not afraid of a long, hot shower, I'm told. <laughs> uh, secondly, uh, there are murmurs as well that uh, 
Matthew Barry was very nervous about uh, his bet on the over last night that they might call the game because of everything going on and that there were some, uh, some phone calls made to stadium staff to make sure that we finish this game and, uh, and we see this over cash, which ultimately it did, Matthew. Yes, it did, 33 and a half. Um, it, it went off at 34 <laughs> in some places as well. But uh, yeah, the over cash, never in doubt. Once I knew the game was playing, look, never in doubt. Never in doubt. Jay, I, look, two things, Jay. I mean, first off, you know you're a degenerate when you're, when you're betting on preseason football, like you and I. You and I are both degenerates. And also, I, I thought we had agreed that we weren't going to talk about our long, hot shower together. <laughs> I thought you and I had sort of made a deal, you know, like, hey, this is just, this is just us. This is just us. And I'm, I'm upset that you've now revealed my showering habits to everyone. Yeah. That was just with you. Yeah, we were just going to keep that, that one night in Buffalo on the road to ourselves. That's all right. Yeah. Everyone can yes. know about that. That's fun. <laughs> the show is back, yeah. and so is the Roto World Fantasy Football Draft Guide. Stay connected throughout training camps with updated player rankings, team profiles, and projections that will help you win your fantasy league. Go to NBCSports.com slash draft guide and use promo code BERRY20 for 20% off at checkout. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's get into the Roto World headlines. We have a lot going on around the league outside of the Hall of Fame game. Broncos head coach Sean Payton said Javante Williams will play preseason games. Williams hasn't been limited in training camp and is on track for week one if everything continues to go well. The team expects him to play in the preseason, but he might not play until the second preseason game as they continue to ramp up his workload. Barry, this seems like exciting news for a guy that's coming off as significant of an injury a running back can deal with, and there's been a lot of questions around for the last eight months. So uh, I have a lot of reactions to this. First off, yeah, it, listen, just for the player health, that's great. To see him back on the field after that injury looks so devastating, that's awesome. Like, we're thrilled for Javante Williams. We're thrilled for the Broncos. Great. That is awesome. Uh, and, you know, over the as, as news has become more and more positive, we have been – creeping them up. My top 200 ranks are up on rotorworld.com. We're going to talk about them in a little bit later in the show. But, um, you know, so you can see, right, I've been moving Javante Williams up and up and up. I have him at running back 28. But let's be clear about a couple of things here. Number one is just because he's out there healthy doesn't mean he's Javante Williams, right? I mean, like we have seen this before where running backs have come back from ACLs and they have, they have been healthy and they have started the season, but they haven't had that burst, that explosiveness. It took Saquon Barkley a year, honestly, to get back that explosiveness, even though he was out there and grinding it out. So number one is there's that. Just because Javante Williams is out there doesn't mean he's the Javante Williams we saw as a rookie and fully healthy. There could be that. And under, I mean, remember last year, he played under 60% of the snaps in two of the three games he did play last year prior to the injury. 
And then you also think about this head coaching staff in Sean Payton. Sean Payton likes multiple running backs, right? Five of his final six seasons in New Orleans. Five of his final six seasons in New Orleans, Sean Payton gave at least 150 touches to multiple running backs. One of the reasons why Samaje P. Ryan signed in Denver is because Sean Payton talked to him about, I'm going to use multiple backs. I'm going to use multiple guys. Come here because Cincinnati wanted to keep him. P. Ryan played well last year and had suitors, and he went to Denver because Sean Payton convinced him, you're going to have a role. You're going to have a significant role on this team. And so I'm not saying you draft P. Ryan ahead of Javante Williams, but I will say as the drumbeat continues for positive news on Javante Williams, I think Williams's ADP will rise. P. Ryan's ADP will lower. P. Ryan's currently my running back 33. So again, think about that. I have Williams at 28 and P. Ryan at 33. I am really close. And I think by the time drafts are really happening, that, that gap in terms of ADP will be significant. I'm not going to move my rankings that much between those two guys. But I think P. Ryan is actually going to be the better value because people are going to be so, oh, Javante's back, Javante's back, and they're forgetting P. Ryan. P. Ryan's going to have a role regardless. And again, I'm not convinced Javante Williams is going to be Javante Williams that we saw last year pre-injury. It takes a while to come back from an ACL. Yeah, it's, I think coaches just love, seem to love Samaj P. Ryan. Like Zach Taylor literally gave him the ball with the Super Bowl on the line for, for better or worse. And I think the thing with Javante Williams is, I think it's firstly great to hear some positive injury news out of Denver, which has been a rarity uh, in pre-seasons the past few years. But with Javante, I think we've gotten to the point where his name value, I think because so, people were so excited about Javante going into last year, you know, as a sleeper, as a potential top 10 running back in fantasy, where, I mean, this is a guy who's topped 75 yards in the NFL twice in his career in a game. He's gotten more than 15 carries in a game twice. And coming off the injury with Peyton's system, to your point, Matthew, and just with the, I think, the respect that Piran commands and how coaches love him, I don't think that we're going to see a massive year out of Javante, though it's certainly very good to see that he's healthy at this point. Yeah, we're dangerously inching towards name recognition being the problem with Javante Williams until, obviously, the health and the talent's always been there, but until that catches up to his actual value. Uh, NFL Network's Ian Rapport expects Alvin Kamara to be suspended. Speaking of uh, running backs here, Listen, Kamara, we've been bracing for this for a while, Jay. It feels like this has been rumored for years since the incident happened now. And this is a team that they took Kendra Miller early in the third round. They have depth at the running back position. I think it's no surprise. And fantasy drafts have reflected or baked in this expected Kamara suspension. Yep, and now Jamal Williams, uh, who obviously put up an insane amount of touchdowns last yeah, year, he's going to get more run. Uh, Kendra Miller becomes a lot more interesting. This Saints offense in general is just very strange all around with the Kamara situation. With Michael Thomas, who apparently is just healthy again, right. which we'll see how long that lasts. But, I mean, people don't remember that, like, Michael Thomas is only 30. Like, he's the same age as guys like Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams. And the last time he was fully healthy, he's literally the best wide receiver in the game. So uh, there's a lot going on with the Saints. I'm not sure I'd really be super interested in buying shares of their offense because of all the uncertainty. But uh, I think Jamal Williams is, is the big benefactor if, if Kamara is going to miss time, which it looks like is almost a certainty now. Yeah, by the way, and like, so you've got three things going on with Kamara. There is the chance that he's suspended, right? We expect that to happen. We'll see how much it is. My guess is because they settled and everything like that. I think it'll be a couple of games. I don't think it'll be the six that's been rumored, but we'll see what happens. But then you've also got injuries, right? I mean, so to your point, like this is somebody that has missed a significant amount of time uh, over the last couple of years where he's, he's been banged up. And then also, by the way, he hadn't been good. 
I mean, last year, okay, so last year, remember he had week eight. Week eight, he had that crazy 42-point game. But if you take out that 42-point game, and I understand it, it counts, but if you remove that 42-point game, he averaged 12.1 fantasy points per game, which would have been running back 24 last year. Over his final nine games last year, week nine on last season, he was running back 38 in points per game. Had under 33 receiving yards last season. Like, and now you've got a new quarterback in Derek Carr. You've got a new toy in Chris Olave and, you know, for Derek Carr. Like, I mean, you said you didn't want to invest in the Saints offense. I get that other than Chris Olave. I think Chris Olave is going to have a monster, monster year this season. But to your point, Jay, about Jamal Williams, yeah, I think no one's – Jamal Williams is good last year, and I get it. It was a lot of bunny touchdowns that he sort of got gimmies there. But, like, there's not a – there's a non-zero chance Jamal Williams finishes as a top 20 fantasy running back this year just because of Kamara's potential suspension. He might get banged up. He's been ineffective compared to Kamara levels the last couple of years. You mentioned Kendra Miller, who I absolutely love as well. Strongest handshake I've had since uh, this side of Adrian Peterson. Like, just a just a, just an unbelievable handshake. So, um, yeah, I mean, I have Kamara at running back 32, which is kind of crazy to think about. But, yeah, I mean, he's a running back four for me this year. A lot to unpack with the Saints' backfield, and that will continue on. Over in Bucks camp, ESPN's Jeremy Fowler reports that they see their coaching staff sees star potential in Rashad White. Jay, we've spent many weeks, it feels like, talking about Rashad White. One, do you buy into that star potential? And two, would this offense even allow him to reach that this year with their current quarterback and offensive line situation? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a... Did nothing coming, right? Nothing like, everyone, everyone has star potential. I mean, you have star potential, Connor. Everyone's got it. Uh, I think that it's going to be tough talking about the Bucks all season, to be honest. This is such a strange team that's caught in no man's land. It's our job, though. <laughs> I know, it's just going to be... It just reminds me of just talking a lot about Kenyon Drake last season. It's kind of interesting from a fantasy perspective. Uh, but, look, Rashad White, I mean, he's clearly the guy that you'd want in that backfield. It's just so strange that Evans and Godwin are still on this team that's going absolutely nowhere and Rashad White could have fantasy value. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's going to have a chance to, to realize that potential because they don't have a ton else going on. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't read too much. I'm still scarred just from the Romeo Dobbs experience last preseason. Well, yeah, I'm sure there were comments about Romeo Dobbs' star potential. I completely talked myself into him being the Devante Adams replacement and then just never happened or came close to happening. So you've got to take these... Uh, preseason comments and also uh, preseason clips against air uh, with a little bit of a grain of salt, I think. Yeah, I mean, superstar might be a bit strong, but again, volume is king when it comes to fantasy football and running backs especially. And last year, there were five different games where he got at least 15 touches. And in those games, he averaged 13.6 fantasy points per game. Like, that is usable. And to your point about, I mean, you look around at the depth chart, like I mean, like Chase Edmonds is there, Keyshawn Vaughn is there. I, you know, I mean, they were they were rumored to be in the Dalvin Cook sweepstakes at some point, but I don't think Dalvin wasn't going to go to a bad team unless he really got paid and they weren't going to pay him. So that wasn't going to happen. Maybe they wind up with a with a, uh, you know, with a Kareem Hunt or something like that. But right now it just seems like, you know, look in the land of the blind, the one eyed king is man. Uh, the one eyed man is king. One eyed king is man. What? Good lord. Um, it's early here. Uh, wow. It's early here. Season of uh, look, sayings messed up. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, uh, what I would say is, uh, I, look, Rashad. I, 
I have Rashad White at running back 26. I think that's about right. I think he's a high upside flex this year. I think the volume is going to be there. And whether it's Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask under center, like, you know, you could see them kind of, you know, trying to get him more involved in the passing game, you know, and trying to and dump off a little bit. I do know this. The two things I do know. I do know that Todd Bowles, I've talked to some team sources, Todd Bowles wants to run this year. They want to, Todd Bowles, you know, now that Brady isn't there, Todd Bowles, the way he wants to coach is exactly the way you think. I'm going to play really good defense, and I'm going to run the ball, and I'm going to try to win games like, you know, 17-14, 21-17. Like, he's going to try to grind them out because he knows. He knows, you know, quarterback is an issue, and, you know, there's not a lot of depth in the running back room. But I think massive volume could be coming for Rashad White. Remember, Leonard Fournette, him leaving, there's – over 260 touches available from last year uh, up for grabs in this offense. Yeah, still scarred from that one-eyed kingdom man blind thing, whatever, Matthew. But uh, I think the thing with Rashad White, the concern would be, firstly, just the offensive line is not what it was You know, when they were winning the Super Bowl Correct. last year. It was really uh, banged up. It still hasn't really been fixed, I don't think. And last year, despite having Tom Brady as his quarterback, there was only one game where Rashad White got to five yards per carry, which just seems like I mean, he had games with three, five carries just by chance. You would have thought that he would have had more. I think the real uh, inflection point or what is going to be key to Rashad White's value is what he can add as a receiver. Yeah. So there were a couple games last year where he had eight, nine targets out of the backfield. If that becomes more consistent, then he's got much of much easier path to fantasy value that isn't as dependent on being efficient on the ground, which I think he's going to have a hard time doing. In one of the more mysterious running back situations of the summer, Ravens head coach John Harbaugh said he's unsure of when J.K. Dobbins will return. Uh, Dobbins was a surprise candidate for the Pup List to start training camp. His absence appears, though, to be more related to contract rather than injury. Dobbins is reportedly currently at the team facility, but has not been practicing, Jay. I... This one, we've talked a lot about this already, right, where, you know, Barry had a really good point where there's a lot of running backs that they're up to be paid, they're due to be paid. We haven't really seen enough from J.K. Dobbins where you would think this is the time. And for a Ravens team, it doesn't feel like this is one that they would fold on considering all the talent they've added at wide receiver. They've added a pass-happy offensive coordinator in Todd Munkin. They've got Lamar Jackson happy. They have no problem rotating their backs. The Gus bus will keep on rolling in Gus Edwards. I don't think anybody can really figure this situation out. I bet Harbaugh feels the same way. Yeah, I mean, I think the Patriots have kind of become the poster boy for just messes of running back situations for fantasy over the past decade. But I think the Ravens are in that discussion as well. Like, when's the last time they had a running back that you felt great about from a fantasy perspective? Really, Ray Rice. I was just going to say, I know the I name. It's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's Ray Rice. Ray Rice. Yeah. Uh, and so there's just always a lot of Justice Hill or Kenyon Drake last year swirling around this team. I mean, Matthew, of this... If Dobbins is not there to start the season between Edwards, Hill, Gordon, who are you most excited about? Yeah, I mean, excited is a word that I would not <laughs> use here. Who, who, who am I most tolerable? Who do I tolerate the most? Uh, I, honestly, I'm going to say Melvin Gordon, just wow. because Melvin Gordon's actually a decent pass catcher. Like I, Again, I think this becomes a wide-open offense. I think Todd Munkin getting in there with uh, OBJ, with Zay Flowers, with Mark Andrews, with Rashad Bateman. We're going to talk about Bateman here in a second. Like, I think it's going to be a much more wide-open, pass-happy offense. Obviously, the running back, and I'm using air quotes here for people listening, but the running back that you like the most on the Ravens is Lamar Jackson, right? I mean, that's the guy that's going to be the most effective runner on that team. But if I have to pick one of the running backs, 
I think Melvin Gordon, who again can play on all three downs versus Gus Edwards, who is just a north-south runner and is a nothing in the passing game, I think Melvin Gordon. And to your point, like again, if ever there was a team not to hold out on and be like, hey, you got to pay me, it's the Ravens. The Ravens have gotten production over the last couple of years from Kenyon Drake off of, the, off of his couch, from Latavius Murray off of his couch, from Devontae Freeman off of his couch. I mean, like they have, they have signed like kind of these street free agents and gotten production from them in an offense that, you know, wasn't as high flying as what we expect Munkin's offense to be. And so, especially when you think about to the point that like, hey, Zeke hasn't found a home yet. You know, Kareem Hunt, Leonard Fournette, none of them have found a home yet. Neither is Dalvin Cook. Like, I don't know, J.K. Dobbins, like, like to me, you have no leverage here. So, I am at running back 27. We're just sort of waiting and seeing. I think eventually Dobbins is going to come to his senses and show up. But again, one of the things, and we're going to talk about this with Bateman here, so I'll just sort of switch over to Rashad Bateman too. They're installing a new offense. You know, they've got a new offense coordinator. And I talk about this all the time in fantasy football. Fantasy football, one thing that I think gets missed a lot in analysis is the fact that you're dealing with people. And that a football team is like a business, right? It, there, there are politics and humans involved and everything like that. And just like, just like sometimes, you know, I have a, I have a buddy that was fired this off season, this off season. He was, he was fired a couple of months ago. And one of the reasons why is that he went, I, I believe one of the reasons why is because he decided to work from home. Like when COVID happened, everyone went home and then everyone else came back to the office. And my buddy was just like, I just don't want to go back to the office. So for two years, he just wasn't in the office. And then this, this company went under budget cuts and like just out of sight, out of mind. And so my point with that is just like, again, there's politics involved. And so if Dobbins is like hiding out in the training room and isn't establishing connection with Todd Munkin and isn't learning the offense, right? I mean, like it just like, whatever, if Melvin Gordon's in there and working his ass off and so is Gus Edwards, like if you're Todd Munkin, like where are you, you know, where are you giving the ball to? Ultimately, talent will win out, but I just, this is not a fantasy phrase, but I just, I get the fantasy heebie-jeebies from Dobbins this year. You know, like it just, I don't, just bad vibes. Note to J.K. Dobbins, you can't practice on Zoom. So (laughs) that's, uh, so a tough scene for him, but on a more positive Ravens note, what's that, Barry? I'm just, am I right? I mean, you you know, I mean, listen, Connor, you're around the Jets facility all the time. You have been for many, many years. Like, I mean, like, am I wrong? Like they're. There are politics involved in, you know, in an 100. NFL franchise, just like there are in every app office across America. Absolutely. And I think what's scarier is once a staff sours on a player, I've rarely ever seen some great movie comeback story. It's just it's over. They phase you out because they care about reliability, uh, putting in a game plan that they can rely on you for what they're asking of you. And that's done in practice. And when you are not practicing, you can't do that. So. I mean, the clock and the calendar is currently still in Dobbins' favor because it's the first week of August. But when you get to the third week of August and everybody starts batting an eye towards week one of the NFL season, I mean, once that train leaves the station, it doesn't come back to pick you up. So I'm with you all the way. I would personally want almost nothing to do with J.K. Dobbins right now at his value. Nothing yeah. to do with it. No, I, I agree. And, and to your point, Matthew, I mean, yeah, I think a lot of the time we just think of 
players as you know fantasy players and guys yeah. you just slot on a roster and then they accumulate stats but there is you know there's a lot of stuff obviously where you know coaches jobs depend on players performing as well and just having that trust level just building continuity in an offense trusting that uh, particularly with Baltimore which has I think a more complex running game and will have a more complex running game than most teams just because of um, the RPO stuff and Lamar being such a unique player that yeah maybe with the game on the line you don't want to be handing off to JK Dobbins if he hasn't been in the building uh, and you're just more comfortable with Gus Edwards or Melvin Gordon uh, running the show in a big spot. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. On a more positive note, all for all of the... I don't want to say bad press, but mysterious press around the Dobbins situation. Uh, it feels like Zay Flowers is establishing himself quickly. Their first-round pick at wide receiver, Odell Beckham, the return seemed positive early. ESPN's Jameson Hens- uh, Hensley believes that both of those guys have solidified themselves as the top two wide receivers in Baltimore, obviously with Bateman sidelined again, which is the story of Bateman. It opens the door for a rookie to be on the field. Odell Beckham, no matter what, was going to be on the field. And Jay, we cannot emphasize this enough on this show with Munkin in town. It's not just that they'll pass more. It's that they might use an extension of the run game more in terms of finding way to get ways to get Flowers the ball, whether it's the screen game, the pitch passes, the jet sweeps. Those are things that he specializes in, schemed run and catch touches. I feel like everything is trending up towards the wide receivers for the Ravens, even though the backfield goes down. Yeah, and... Last year, I think I was relatively high on Rashad Bateman just because there was nothing else there. And he had the talent. He's got first-round pedigree. And the thought was that just he is going to get every opportunity to succeed. That doesn't exist this year at all for Rashad Bateman. Now they have, like, I don't think they have sure things at receiver, but they have enough, decent enough tickets that some of those guys are going to hit. And between Zay Flowers and Odell Beckham, who are obviously uh, top of the line, but then also, like, Devin DuVernay is fine. Nelson Aguilar will get time, I think. And Mark Andrews, I think, is going to have a better year with a lot more health. So all of a sudden, Rashad Bateman, the thing is with first-round picks as well, the further you get away from when they were drafted, I think the less incentive there is to to really have to play them if they're not, if they're not performing. So, I mean, could, do you see anything left in, in Bateman? Is he a worthy flyer? Because he's... His ADP is going to go down a ton now. I think the problem is the health issues start to build up. It starts to leave you a lot of doubt. And it goes back to the conversation we just had about Dobbins and players and people in a certain way. Coaches just start to move on with game plans without you. They gave Odell Beckham. It's a one-year deal. There's no bad one-year deal. But they gave Odell Beckham a ton of money to be an impact player. They used a first-round pick on Zay Flowers. Not a lot of guys that size are drafted in the first round at wide receiver. So they saw a special aspect as a playmaker to his game. Where, yeah, and I think the last thing you brought up is probably maybe the most important, Mark Andrews. Let's not forget, I say it likely. I mean, they have two tight ends that can really impact the pass game. They don't need, as the league gravitated all towards 11 personnel, they don't need to be one of those teams that always lives in 11 personnel. So, Barry, I would imagine it's the same for you as everything starts to trend up for these guys. It does impact guys like Bateman and, of course, Dobbins in a negative way as they're not out there on the field and getting left behind. Yeah, and not learning a new offense, a complex new offense. I mean, again, the old phrase, you can't make the club from the tub, right? I mean, so, like, it's a different situation. Better vibes around Bateman than there are Dobbins because it is a legit injury history. And as somebody who has Bateman in two different dynasty leagues, like, you know, this drives me crazy. But the fact is, is that 
yeah, I mean, like, think about how Odell Beckham Jr. came to the Ravens. Lamar Jackson recruited him before he had signed his deal. I mean, Beckham was signed before the Lamar Jackson deal was signed, but like, you know, LBJ was like, yeah, I was FaceTime with Lamar and everything. So I, my worry about this offense fantasy wise is that they're going to be like the chiefs, which is that they're going to be a really highly productive offense. They're going to put a lot of points on the board. It's going to be really fun to watch, but fantasy wise outside of Andrews or Kelsey in Kansas city, like it's just going to be death by a thousand cuts when you're playing them, right? It'll be an OBJ game, one game. It'll be whatever Devin Duvernay, another game, Zay flowers to your point. Like I think Zay flowers is certainly somebody that should be rising up ranks, but I don't know that I, I see any one of them having consistent fantasy value. I suppose at the moment, Beckham would be the guy that I would want to take the most flyers on of everyone. Just again, given his history of success in the NFL, the fact that he was paid the kind of money he was, the fact that Lamar, you know, personally recruited him to come to Baltimore. He'd be the guy. But again, I think it's going to, they're all going to get time. They're all going to be part of this, you know, multifaceted passing attack. Let's just touch on you can't make the club from the tub uh, because apparently that is a real a real saying. Uh, yes, as, that is. As I googled it, the last person to say that publicly, uh, at least according to Google, was uh, Prince of Mukamara in 2012. So Matthew Berry has uh, revived the saying publicly. Very good. Yes, yeah, so we, we, a couple hurdles to get there. No way, Monfrey, <laughs> yeah. uh, blind man, and the one-eyed king. Yeah. But we got no club yeah. in the tub landed yeah. with the bullseye, yeah, yeah, Matthew that's true. Berry. Yep. Well done. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The praise for rookie wide receivers flying around the league right now, and it's there's none higher than what Jackson Smith and Jigba has gotten over in Seattle. Uh, Seahawks coach Pete Carroll has praised his initial play in training camp. ESPN's Dan Graziano called Smith and Jigba the star of their training camp so far. So as they continue to wait for you know Zach Charbonnet to get fully healthy, and that's trending the right way, there's been no disappointment or letdown for the start for Jackson Smith and Jigba, a guy that basically missed all of his last college season dealing with hamstring injuries at Ohio State. There was some concern around there, but you look what he was able to do two years ago when he was playing with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. He was a monster, and he's just off to a roaring start in Seattle here. As their number three wide receiver, Jay? I mean, yes, they have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, but... That slot spot for him is something he should be able to absolutely eat with Geno Smith throwing him the ball. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think we know that Jason is, is good and is going to be good, but it's just a matter of what his statistical ceiling is, where he's the guy behind Lockett and Metcalf. Also, I think there is the perception that, you know, Pete Carroll loves to run the ball, and I think a lot of that was, you know, three, four years ago when it's Russ Wilson and so much their offense was run, run, pass, run, run, pass. Maybe they run, just run, didn't pass. trust Russ. Well, yeah, maybe they didn't trust Russ. Because last year, they actually passed the ball at an above-average rate. So I think coming off the year that Geno had as well, also now with the uncertainty that they have at running back from a health perspective, I do think this team will throw a lot. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, how much JSN can, how many targets he can get next to Lockett and Metcalf, who was so established. Well, okay, first off, a couple of things here. Number one is ignore anything Pete Carroll says. Don't ever, you know, Pete Carroll saying like he's just blah, 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 whatever. Dan Graziano knows his stuff, though. Dan Graziano is a fantasy player. He's a friend of mine. Uh, you know, he used to come on my show back when I was at ESPN. Dan Graziano understands what he's talking about. And so when Dan Graziano says JSN's the star of camp, that I, that I listen to and I take to the bank. To your point about JSN at Ohio State, Connor, like he actually had more receptions and more yards than both Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. And speaking of Garrett Wilson, I know the big concern on JSN is, yes, they ha it's a run first team. They have Metcalf. They have Lockett. But to your point, Jay, they threw more last year than I think people realized. And also, 
I was just going to say, like, again, I think everyone was out on Garrett Wilson last year because of the landing spot. Oh, he went to the Jets. You know, there's too much competition. They don't have a good quarterback, right? People were out on Jahan Dotson last year. Now he's going to the commanders, right? You know, like Carson Wentz and whatever, and Terry McLaurin's there, and they have Curtis Samuel. Like, how's Dotson? And by the way, Dotson was really good when he was healthy last year. Obviously, Garrett Wilson was an absolute uh, beast when, when Flacco or Mike White were under center last year. So Jackson Smith and Jigma, to me, uh, I mean, like, just draft the talent. I'm at exactly. wide receiver 36. Draft the talent, and I could see him having a big second half as he gets more and more ingrained in this offense, and Geno learns to lean on him more and more. Mentioned Zach Charbonnet before. He has returned to practice now on Thursday, dealing with a shoulder injury. We know Kenneth Walker. This backfield has been banged up in general. We're waiting for both Walker and Charbonnet. Charbonnet back in the fold now, though. So some positive news for a backfield that it still feels like the majority of touches will be Kenneth Walker's when he is right. But Charbonnet could have a, a role in the pass game, and getting him back on the field as a rookie, it's good that this didn't linger on. Yeah, particularly when you think about Kenneth Walker's injury history, not just what he's dealing with now, but he's banged up all of last, last season. last summer. Yeah, yeah, missed last summer. Uh, the start of the season, he missed, and then with a different injury towards the end of the season, he was just constantly banged up. He was questionable every single day for practice, it felt like, in the last six weeks of the season. So, yeah, I, I would not be counting on Kenneth Walker to be playing 15 games, let alone 17. So... If Charbonnet is healthy, and it looks like he's getting healthy, uh, then he's a guy with, with a ton of upside. Barry, how about this one for you? This one was uh, tailor-made for you. Commanders head coach Ron Rivera said, don't sleep on Jacoby Brissett when asked about the team's quarterback competition. What, what were your thoughts on this quote? Are you, are you hyped up for the Jacoby I'll tell you what Brissett my revival? <laughs> yeah, no, I'll tell you what my thoughts are. Ron Rivera should never be allowed to talk to the press about his quarterback, period. Period. Like, because he got into trouble last year when he will like he threw Carson Wentz under the bus, and then he was just like, "Hey, I'm the guy. I'm the guy that um, you know uh, drafted Carson Wentz. I'm the guy that looked at the film and everything like that." And then, uh, <laughs> and you know, and, and then he went back to Heineke, and then, uh, then he went to, then he made the switch to Heineke, and then he made. Anyway, there. This is what I tweeted out, and I believe this strongly as a, as a lifelong Commanders fan. First off, it actually doesn't even matter because we're playing with house money. Dan Snyder's gone. Josh Harris is in. All is good. We're playing with house money. But this is what I tweeted out. You see it there on your screen. Starting Brissett for any reason other than injury would be the dumbest thing ever. We need to see what Howell is for a full year. And if he's not the guy, we need to be awful and get a great pick next year in a great draft for quarterbacks. Brissett is actually solid and would get us to like 500. And then like, you know, draft pick 15, 16, or 17, somewhere in there. Right. And so like Jacoby Brissett is an above average, solid professional NFL quarterback. I mean, like, like he's not a franchise quarterback. The NFL has told us that, right? I mean, he has moved from team to team to team for a reason, but he is also anywhere he's gone, whether it's been Miami, whether it's been Indy, whether it's been Cleveland, whether it's been New England, when he has gotten an opportunity, Jacoby Brissett has moved the ball and been solid. And like Jacoby Brissett with that offense and that deep that skill set around him and that defense in Washington, Jacoby Brissett is seven and nine wins. Maybe squeak into the playoffs, but you're definitely you're picking like 15th or 16th, and you're not in on any of the great quarterbacks next year. Sam Howell needs a full year. He's either our guy, or if he's not, then we're terrible and we have a good draft pick next year where we can go out and get the guy. You know what I mean? And I think I think he's just trying to like make sure that Howell doesn't get into his head, and he's just trying to. But it just it opens up a can of worms. 
don't sleep on Jacoby Brissett. I'm sleeping on Jacoby Brissett because he shouldn't play. It needs to be the Sam Howell show this year, come hell or high water. He can be the worst quarterback in NFL history. He should play every single game. Yeah, I think one of the most underrated stories of last year was actually just exactly how good Jacoby Brissett was. I mean, look at his... His advanced yeah. stats, his PFF grade, everything. He's like a borderline top 10 quarterback in terms of efficiency. But to your point, Matthew, there's just no point to him being on Washington, being the starting quarterback. It doesn't achieve anything for them. Like they should have had him last year as the guy in the Wentz yes. Heineke mold. But now that Sam Howell is there, you have to find out what you have with Sam Howell because they're not winning a Super Bowl or getting to an NFC title game with Jacoby Brissett this season. So what's the point? No. You've got to figure out what Howell is. Okay. Okay. In a division with Dak Prescott, Jalen Hurts, and Daniel Jones, you're not going out there with Jacoby Brissett. I'm sorry. Like, again, I like Jacoby Brissett. I agree with you, Jay. He is solid. He is fine. He's honestly too good for the job. Uh, You know what I mean? Like, anyway, I would have – Sam Howell needs to start every single game. If he gets hurt, then fine. Jacoby Brissett can play. But other than that, let's see what we have in Sam Howell. We need to find out if he's the guy or not. It's treading water. That's what it is with Jacoby Brissett. And with a good quarterback class on the horizon, like you hinted at, Barry, this is not the year to tread water. Right. And the challenge is, is this is the last year of Rivera's contract. And that's my fear is that Rivera's like, I want to try to win to save my job with a new ownership group. You know, and then anyway. And like, it's not like Josh Harris can say, hey, go tank. He can't say that. We've already seen uh, an NFL owner get in trouble for allegations around that. So, you know. If I was Josh Harris, I would just say, I would say, you know what, Ron Rivera, here's an extra year on your contract. I want you playing Sam Howell all year long, and let's see what happens. Olympic champions Simone Biles and Sonny Lee are back, making their returns to elite competition at the U.S. Classic next Sunday, 4.30 Eastern time on NBC and Peacock. Jay, I would ask you for uh, some, some early odds <laughs> on this event, but I, I won't. I know you're still working on it. Yeah, I still, I still got to grind the tape. Okay, grind the tape. Speaking of grinding the tape, we got Matthew Berry's ranks. The top 10 is in as always. This is free on NBC Sports. But let's start right here. Of course, number one, Barry, you've hinted at this one for a while with Justin Jefferson at the top, followed by Christian McCaffrey, Jamar Chase, Cooper Cup, and Austin Eckler to round out the top five. I know you've spoken to this before as well. You landed with Jefferson just absolutely in love with his fantasy floor this season. One of, if not the most talented wide receiver in the NFL, pass-happy offense, fantasy-friendly offense. No, Adam Thielen's gone, so that's 130 targets. Now, they're not all going to go to Justin Jefferson. I don't know if he even needs more targets. But honestly, I think losing Dalvin Cook actually helps Justin Jefferson because Madison's not going to be as effective. And so I always say this. You don't need to finish as the number one player in fantasy to be worth the number one overall draft. I just think the floor on Justin Jefferson is so high. Like, you know he's going to – like. If he's healthy, like, the range of outcomes for Justin Jefferson is, like, from wide receiver one to wide receiver five. Like, you know you're going to get high-end elite production from Justin Jefferson. Remember, 10 different games last year with over 100 yards. He led all players with games of 30-plus fantasy points or more. He had seven different ones. I think Justin Jefferson is, is sort of chalk there. I actually think most of it is chalk. You could argue a little bit of cup over chase. We talked about the other day. I moved chase over cup just because of the injury that just happened at uh, cup a little bit there. Look, if you want to move the running back down a little bit, there is a little bit of concern that when you look at the numbers between McCaffrey and Elijah, when Elijah Mitchell was healthy, McCaffrey didn't get um, as much work. 
So, and there is, you know, the injury history with McCaffrey, but in that offense, full year in Shanahan's offense, I feel like he's going to be efficient enough where the touches, I don't want to say the touches are irrelevant, but he doesn't need 20 touches to be worth the number one running back spot and number two overall. As six through 10 is filled out with Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Stephon Diggs, Bijan Robinson, and of course, Ryder Die, Monroe St. Brown. Jay, what jumps out to you in this top 10, particularly on the back end? Yeah, well, I think the, the guy who makes me most nervous on the list and I think may slide into the back end at some point is, uh, is Cooper Cup. And it's not necessarily just the injury, though that's not great either. It seems like it'll be okay for week one. Just this Rams team could be just an absolute disaster. You're going to play a game with a friend, figure out how much they know about the NFL. Ask them how many defensive players they can name on the Rams outside of Aaron Donald. Because if you name three, you're doing pretty well. Uh, try and guess that Russ Yeast is the free safety at the moment. So, look, I know that Cup, he still put up numbers numbers last year um, but I would just worry that that team is such a mess that he's not even playing the back end of the season if he has any niggles but obviously he's got the talent when you, you round know, round out the top 10 I think you're higher on consensus than uh, with Bijan Robinson and Amon Ross St. Brown Bijan being at nine now he's a huge riser he's just he feels like a guy as we get more towards redrafts he just keeps climbing and climbing and climbing there will be people that take him as a top two or three running back but what ultimately landed with you getting Bijan and both the Sun God in the top 10 here? Honestly, I don't necessarily think I'm all that high on Bijan Robinson. I think he's more or less consensus top three running back. Um, he's certainly top five. And by the way, it's a little bit of like sort of ha like, again, if he went five, if he went six, if he went ahead of Tyreek Hill, if he went ahead of Travis Kelsey, I get it. I think these are more or less the top 10 players that are going to be drafted this year with the exception of Amon Ron. I'll talk about him in one second. But yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked, especially as the drumbeat grows louder and louder, that Bijan keeps rising. We all agree he's going to have a monster year, and I don't think there's a there's a secret there. I have Amon Rod, obviously. He's my fantasy ride or die. After crunching all the numbers, I just I feel the, the most solid about him at 10. Look, the people that could go at 10 that aren't there, I've seen Devontae Adams there. I've seen Nick Chubb there. So, I mean, CeeDee Lamb. You know, I could certainly see any of those players there um, at uh, at 10, or and those are guys that will be in the, you know, the next top a uh, few after the uh, after the top 10. But uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I feel better about wide receivers this year than I do about running backs. I think this is a pretty good year to go zero RB or to wait on a running back. We feel better about the floor and the elite production from some of these wide receivers. There's just so many good wide receivers. And honestly, I do think there's a drop off. Like after you get past like these wide receivers that you see and then you're talking about cd lamb and you're talking about aj brown and Devonte adams and like that sort of like eight to ten list of, of wide receivers i do think there's a significant drop off so i do think it's imperative this year more than previous years to have an elite wide receiver versus an elite running back all right like if we, you're going to skimp somewhere i feel like running back is is somewhere that you can wait till the second or third round or honestly like fifth or sixth if you're doing zero rb we will be back on Monday for much more on Barry's rankings, position by position, of course. And Barry will be back from Ohio, right on this test. I feel like you've really missed him alongside us, Jay. I can uh, see, it, I? In your, I can oh, see yeah. it in your face. I, I can really I see like, it in your I like emotions. the bookshelf. I'll miss the bookshelf yes. from the books, but uh, it'll be good to have you back, Matthew. Uh, it, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's filled with rich mahogany books and smells of leather. <laughs> That's All the right. quote, right? All right. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Way to go out on a, on a good one. <laughs> yeah. For Jay Croucher, yeah. Matthew Berry. Smells I'm, of rich mahogany. I'm Connor Rogers. Leather-bound books. We're back Monday. Peace out.